0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? <laughs> Will we have to leave our home? Of course
1: not. How do you know? I just know. Okay, what if it's dangerous? Evacuate all places of
2: residence. Do sheep have lashes? Ask your father. We're going sideways. Dad, do sheep have lashes? Doesn't anyone want to pay attention to what's actually happening?
1: I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could outthink the problem some persistent sense of large-scale ruin,
0: we keep inventing hope. Hello everybody, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmelan Arvin and uh, it is our second review of the year. I think it's going to be a bit of a contrast to yesterday's love fest. Actually, uh, we are talking about white noise, which is Noah Bombax' uh, Bombax' adaptation of what has always been considered an unfilmable book uh, by Don DeLillo. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> let's discuss. I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> oh God. Um... I'm trying very
1: hard not to let my personal feelings frame the rest of this. I will say yesterday we said Banshees of Inishirin is an interesting end of year slash start of the year watch. This is not how I wanted to start my new year. This really white noise is really not how I wanted to start my new year. And I did watch it after the new year, which might have added to it. I didn't like this one at. All Um, The only things I think I liked about it were the performances, which are admittedly great. Um, For me, it felt like the kind of movie, like if you take every annoying quirk from an indie film and dropped it into one film, this would be that film.
2: It's almost like a parody of an indie film in a yes, way. Yes, but not right? quite.
1: <laughs> not enough that I enjoyed
2: it. <laughs> so the the thing is, right? It's uh, the interesting thing is I can completely understand why people would hate this movie. Um because it's so easily I think it's so easily dislikable... um because of how chaotic it is. I think it's one of those movies that would have never been made if it was from a traditional studio. Um, the only way something like this gets made is because Netflix likes to experiment and then they went and got A24 to help them produce this thing, right? Um, and gave like Noah Baumbach, uh, Baumbach, um a lot of money to make it.
0: Okay, before we continue, let's just collectively agree. Is it Bombak or Bombback? <laughs> I've heard
2: both. I put right. both. I'm actually.
1: gonna say bark only because of the musician, okay. but but I might be wrong.
0: Okay, if anybody knows and wants to correct us, please do because otherwise, you know, just bear with us. We're gonna bombard it through through the rest of this show. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, when we're talking parodies, right? Like if you are a mumblecore kind of aficionado, especially of the the indie variety, then, I mean, you come in, you see that this film is written and directed by Noah Baumbach, you see that it stars Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver, and you kind of brace yourself, right? I think you gird your loins knowing what roughly what it is you're going to expect, and it still gets weirder. Um, I, I put off describing the film because I was trying to gather my thoughts, um, I've gotten no closer, so it, it, it tells the story of this large um, blended family, I suppose, um, you know, the patriarch of whom is the foremost Hitler expert, um, in the United States. Uh, the matriarch is a uh, housewife who and posture has specialist. Posture, yeah, she's a posture Fair specialist, enough. and she's suffering from an unknown condition and taking some sort of unknown drug. And um, in the midst of all this, there is a there is an explosion, <laughs> which results in what is it that they call it? The airborne toxic event, mm-hmm. which causes an evacuation. You think the movie is going to be about that, but it isn't. They return home. Um, after they return home, <laughs> further investigations ensue into their relationship and the nature of the drug that uh, Babette, who is the, the wife and mother, um, what she's taking. And then the film ends after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's it, right? I that mean, really I, is it. it? Yeah.
1: So yeah. I, I... So I I haven't read the novel to be fair, but it's always described as a as a as a sort of searing criticism of consumerism and our obsession with um, with the sort of suburban the markers of what makes suburban life uh, worth living and all of these things. Um, I expected that to be so in a in a way. I think I either expected the movie to be a lot weirder um, and then exactly like what I would expect the novel to be or perhaps pared down because it was marketed actually to be about this whole family escaping a disaster because of this airborne toxic event. Um, And then if that's what you went in expecting, because that's all they're saying in the promos and in the synopses, you're going to be very disappointed because like Lynn says, that's about 20 minutes of the film and that's it. Um, The rest of it Tonally just feels like it never quite settles into what it wants to be. Um, It also feels like it's trying to do too much. I'm also realizing that I've never actually watched any other Noah Bombach film. I've missed I've somehow managed Mm. to miss almost all of them. So maybe I just don't like his stuff. Including I've only, marriage story? Did including marriage, marriage story, yeah. Oh. Um, I always thought I had, but it turns out that I only really know his work peripherally because of his collaborations with Wes Anderson and never really his own stuff. Francis Ha also I've never watched.
2: Oh, that is so interesting. Mm. Um, because this, I don't think this is a good Noah Bombach. Gateway movie, um, because it's nothing like his other movies. Um, one he has such a such a massive budget to play with. I think this cost like eighty million dollars to make or something. The the biggest he has played with is like twenty five million. So it's not it's like it's so it's so different from anything else he's ever done. I think. Um, but all that stuff that you spoke about, right? The the whole the the eclectic nature of this movie. I th- I'm gonna say it works. Um, or it worked for me because I I like this movie for sure. Um, I think I love this movie. Like the more I think about it, um and you know the more I read about it, the more I analyze it, quote unquote, the more things I find to like. um and I just like how ambitious and fresh it is. I think it's 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 new and it's unique. um, I love the way the movie looks. I like how fun it is. I like the the actors, the performances. Just the freshness. I think that's what got me the most. I can't I can't say if I understood what the movie is about. Like, I don't understand half of what was going on. But I just liked everything in that weird, chaotic, funny package. Um, and I hope that was what they were going for. Because that's what I took away from it. I, um,
0: I can't remember what was the last movie I said this about. Uh, but I meant it sincerely then and I mean it sincerely now. I admire this movie more more than i like it i think it's a for me personally it was a little bit difficult to like um it it kind of comes off as being um like you just said arvin about a lot of things but also possibly nothing at all um and the 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 dialogue really made it tough and i know it's tough on purpose right because um they're talking about everything and nothing. They switch between first person and third person. They're non-sequiturs. Sometimes they're commenting on what's happening in front of them. Other times it's about um, something that, like, do, do camels have milk? You know, things like that that have no relation to the fact that they're driving into a bush. You know, so there, there are all these things that go on. And... Um, it's clever. I think that the performances are really something because they're conveying really legitimate, fraught emotions while saying the most ludicrous dialogue. Um, I admire all that. I think that there are some shots in the movie that are beautiful. Um, I don't like it, though. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say that I like the experience of watching the movie.
1: I actually checked out about halfway through. Um, I only finished it because I knew we had to review it. And I very rarely feel that way about movies. Um, You know, most of the time I look at the runtime and I'm like, okay, I've done an hour. I can do an hour more. It's not impossible. This one I actually actively wanted to stop watching. Um, and, And I think it's also got to do with the fact that it's not... The the story it's telling is also not pleasant, right? So you're already in a space that's not pleasant or happy or easy. And then the movie doesn't, for me at least, make that any more worth going on a journey with. The only things that I did appreciate, though, there are some scenes, there's this great scene um, of Adam Driver doing a sort of double team lecture with Don Cheadle, who's another professor of Elvis studies in his um, university. Scenes like that are great fun. And that's because performance wise, the way they're shot, there's a that's where the weirdness gets escalated to like maybe 200. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this kind of weirdness I can get on board with. Um, there are also, uh, that a supermarket plays a really important part in, in the whole telling of this tale. And I think, you know, the whole, the idea of consumerism and so on. I love the way the scenes in the supermarkets are shot and the way people interact in the supermarket. Uh, but they all feel like disconnected great ideas that don't have a lot linking them to together.
2: Mm, I also felt like it would have been way easier to recommend this if it was divided into three separate episodes, the way the movie is divided into three separate parts. They're like Mm. three chapters, right? One, two, and three. And they work separately as as episodes instead of like one film. Because by the time you get going with one storyline, it completely pivots into something else and you don't know where you are, Um, which I both appreciated. But I was also like, you know, it would have been nice to choose. If I want to tell someone to watch this or ask someone to watch this, it would have been nice to pick out one of those uh, one of those episodes. But I think for, if, if nothing else, I just love the way the movie looks also. Um, even if I was not going to like analyze it or think about what the movie is trying to say, I love the way the movie uh, looks and sounds. Danny Elfman composed the score and then it has like an original song at the end by LCD Sound System, which is, I think my favorite. Favorite credit sequence ever. Now I love the credit sequence. Uh, the cinematography—it has that seventies, eighties Spielberg, um, Robert Altman uh, aesthetic and that vibe going for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I would, I would watch this movie on mute um, if, if if I could, <laughs> just to just to uh, see the scenes again because it I, looks it looks beautiful.
0: I think Sharmila might as well. <laughs> I, I I would I would
1: watch it with the screen off. <laughs> and maybe just YouTube the scenes I enjoyed.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad, you guys, that we're starting uh, 2023 with such such divided opinions. sets the tone. Um, we're talking today about White Noise, uh, which is an adaptation of a novel by Don DeLillo. It was written and directed by Noah Baumbach. And it stars a bunch of very interesting people um, whom we'll come back to discuss in a bit. Let us know if you've seen it, um, if you plan to what you made of it you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio Best Flipping
1: Moments BFM 89.9 The Business Station Life is good, Jack
0: As long as the children are here we're safe May the days be endless. Let the seasons
1: drift do not advance the action according to a plan
2: they don't look scared in the crown victoria yeah they're laughing these guys aren't laughing where in the country squire what does it matter what they're doing in other cars
0: i want to know how scared i should be Hello, everybody. You are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are talking about White Noise, which uh, Wikipedia tells me is an absurdist comedy drama film. (laughs) Let's go with that. Um, (laughs) It is a Noah Baumbach film. Um, It stars Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, Don Cheadle. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the performances because, Arvin, you you were mentioning just now the aesthetics. And I think that the aesthetics of the movie... uh, I was going to say the pace, but then I, I started doubting myself because the pace is kind of both good and bad. It's part of the problem and part of the solution. Um, anyways, I, I hear you on the aesthetics, but for me, the central thing that kept me going in this movie were the performances, particularly Adam Driver as Jack, this sort of um, hapless, wonderful, sad person at the centre of this movie.
1: <laughs> You know, if nothing else, White Noise has convinced me that I would follow Adam Driver to the ends of the earth, to the lousiest of films, to the worst, most indulgent of stories. Between and I would still watch
0: it. Between movie.
1: Puppet movie, uh between <laughs> this movie and uh, what is the film where he played at night where the film is not terrible. Last year. Oh my god, yes. Last mm. year, which is admittedly a great film by his character, it was horrible. I am there for Adam Driver no matter what he does. He can do no wrong in my eyes yet. Greta Gerwig also, actually, um, is so... um, I don't know what it is about her. Someone says her hair is phenomenal in, in one scene. And honestly, she is... It's almost like there's a spotlight on her in every scene she's in. You know, she's so wonderful in her in her role. Um, she's so lovable, and you can understand why um, Jack Adam Driver's character um, is willing to do so much for her. If it weren't for these two, um, this film, I, I honestly think my commitment to you guys be darned. I might have stopped watching.
2: Adam Driver is gonna do a movie where he goes back in time to kill dinosaurs or something. It's coming yeah, out yeah. like soon, I see right? That. Yeah. I'm excited.
1: And yeah,
2: I, I'm also very excited uh, to see that. I, I think I think Adam Driver is easily my favorite actor working today. Um, everything he does is is so good. He's always so good on screen. I don't think he has had a bad performance yet. Um, but my biggest thing was normally aging any actor up so much looks bad on them, right? Like they can't pull off the the age or the prosthetics or the makeup. Um, Adam Driver can look thirty or forty or forty five or forty eight easily. Um, like here, I, I I can easily believe he's a middle-aged guy. I forgot what he looks like in real Let's life. And
1: still be charismatic. That's the part I don't mm. get. Look at that hair. He's not supposed to be this magnetic to look at.
2: He's got the Nicolas Cage thing going on. He's, yes. pulling a, he's pulling a Nicolas Cage. But there is like one scene in the movie, without spoiling it, there's one scene where you see why Adam Driver is Adam Driver. Um, And it's a quiet scene, but you're like, oh, you're like, there's there's the performers, you know, there's the, the acting that's coming out. Um, he's so good. He's so, so good.
0: And I think that that goodness is kind of essential to discuss because in the midst of all the, the white noise of white noise, in which it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of surrounding you with a lot of things, um, in order to, I, I think, I think somewhat, it sometimes feels like the movie is trying to confound you on purpose. Um, And so in the midst of that, I do think you need a North Star. And um, if you didn't have Jack and Babette in the middle of the film, um, and if you didn't care about their relationship, even though half the time they're they're sort of... Speaking very strangely at each other and about the relationship, but not at all about the relationship. Um, if you didn't have that at the heart of the movie, I, I'm with you, sharmila I think that it, it would have been tough. I mean, the children are enjoyable, but it's all just, it, it is genuinely, um, and this is a neat trick. It is genuinely a lot of white noise within the film. It's that, and, and also I really appreciated
1: how much both these actors. Uh, this is something I've always thought about Adam Driver that he's a hugely physical actor that he can do things with his body to accommodate what the role needs him to be. But Greta Gerwig as well, right? Because there's a lot here about, um, again, I think the suburban ha, suburban wife trope, um, how she feels about the way she looks, and um, you know her guilt between becoming a smoker and not and trying to quit, and a lot of these things, and ultimately, of course, the whole thing is wrapped up in this fear of death. Um- there's a way in which both of them use their bodies within these scenes, um, which is just amazing. Because like you said, Lynn, the lines they're saying are just not realistic at all. Nobody speaks this way. They're not meant to be. Right? And they're, I mean, not they're not meant know. to be. But the way they perform the lines, even when the lines are so difficult, and you really feel the emotions of it. And if I could feel it in a film that I hate, um, I feel like that's credit to the kind of performance that they're bringing to the story.
2: I think the the it's not supposed to be, the dialogue is not supposed to be, but they look like they're supposed to be weirdly awkward and quirky. Like they do that so naturally and, and so well, right? Um, I think the thing that bothered me the most, and this isn't the movie's fault, uh, more like my personal mindset, um, is that I'm so tired of movies about the pandemic that are not about the pandemic. Um, because I I know that the book was written in like the mid 80s. Um, and it's not about this specifically or our time, but the airborne toxic event is clearly like a pandemic stand in. Um, you know, the comedy is based off like, how everyone reacted to the pandemic, sometimes in cartoonish ways. And I'm so I, I think in like 2023, I'm so done with, Those kinds of movies, pandemic overload, um, tired of that narrative and and that storyline. It's the same issue I had with some parts of Glass Onion, which we spoke about last week. right? But uh, again, just like my own personal feelings, it says a lot when I would rather them talk about an existential crisis or existential dread than go on and on about a pandemic cipher. So I was glad that the mid-portion of that movie was over and they just went to talking about all the the weirdness in their own heads. I was like, oh, okay, I can enjoy this, but let's not talk about the global disaster yet.
0: That's or so again. interesting. I, I I don't know why the pandemic thing just completely went over my head. Uh, I, I don't know oh. if it represents a um, you know an endemicity in my own life. Um, wow. I say as I sound ill. As heck. Um, you know, but no. But I. You're I starting to talk like
2: Noah Bomba. I know, I know. <laughs> that's true.
0: It is true i don't i i really don't know if if it is that um or if it was just that the the eightiesness of it kind of prevented mm. me from being able to see it and um i was fully in um i was fully in a nuclear fear headspace, space which had me thinking more about uh say Russia and ukraine for example still very twenty twenty two twenty three um but not necessarily the pandemic am I coming round on this movie? No, no, I, I don't think so. I think it just felt like it for a moment, but not really. I think
1: I'm only coming around in to say the exact opposite of Arvind, that if the whole movie had just been about the airborne toxic event and how people and how the, that whole thing was a metaphor
2: for how we dealt with the pandemic, I think I would have been okay with it. I so I think my biggest thing is also like it's very hard to call this movie one thing um, and I think that's why it's hard for me to recommend I, I, I really like it but I don't know who I would recommend it to um, it is an acquired taste it does test your patience it's like two hours and 15 minutes way too long some parts don't mesh with other parts there's genre blending so if you're not a fan of horror there is horror stuff in the movie um, but I think it's like if you like something different or want to see something different, even if it challenges you for better or worse, then I would recommend it. Because it's it's unlike anything that we've seen in the last year in cinemas or otherwise. Um, and I think that's the thing that I latched on to.
1: I would recommend it to people who annoyed me greatly in the last year. <laughs> so much hatred. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh,
0: I would recommend... I would recommend watching it for the performances and for the weirdness. I think if you have an inherent interest in um, quirky movies and take that as both the positive and negative word that it is, I think if you have an interest in quirky movies and um, if you have the time to break it up. So I broke it up. I I watched it in chunks of three, um, which is more or less how the movie is actually structured. And I think if you watch it with that in mind and give it time to breathe, you may not like it more, uh, but it may be a more um, bearable <laughs> watching watching experience. I don't know. Um, we've been talking today about White Noise uh, by Noah Bombach. Let us know, have you watched it yet? Do you plan to? Did you dislike it as much as Sharmila did? You can WhatsApp us, 18 Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my.